Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, August the 18th, 2022. It is currently 8.07 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studios, located right here in Abilene, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a lot to do this evening, so we're not going to waste any time, all right? We're just going to jump right in. If you have been with us, you know that we are currently in the process of trying to build the most comprehensive method of Bible study ever created in the history of the world. That Okay, maybe it's a little bit of hyperbole, but we're trying to put together a Bible study method that would enable any person to be able to take a book of the Bible and truly study it, truly understand it, and truly interpret it in a way that would be correct. It would help you be able to rightly divide the word of truth. That's what we're trying to do. And the way we're doing this is we're putting together a number of individual Bible study methods. We're taking four individual Bible study methods and we're combining them into one method. Right now, I guess the best title we have for this method is the best Bible study method. We probably need to come up with, maybe we could come up with, maybe we could call this uh, the comprehensive book study method. I don't know. You can tell me what you think. The comprehensive book study method, because you're studying a book of the Bible in the most comprehensive way I can come up with. I think that's maybe what we will call this. But this comprehensive book study method is made up of four individual methods. The methods so far have been, you should know, the book background method, the book survey method, And earlier today, I introduced you to the book, the chapter, I'm sorry, the chapter analysis method, all right? The book background, book survey, chapter analysis. I want to call it book analysis, but it's really chapter analysis, and you'll you'll understand why. Well, if you listened to, to me earlier today, you know why. But let me try to... Once again, and I'm going to do this briefly, I'm not going to be able to review everything we talked about earlier today. That was over an hour of teaching. So this this is going to be a very brief review, but please go back and listen, all right? Please go back and listen because uh, then you can get the full, all the details, all the instructions, all the steps, and how to do this method of Bible study. But let me try to kind of once again give you this illustration that I'm going to continue to to repeat over and over and over. What I want you to imagine is that every book in your Bible is actually a portal. And when you open that by open that book and you start reading it, in a sense, you step through the portal. And as soon as you step through in the, uh, the portal, you are transported to a different time, a different place, a different culture with different morality, different ideologies, different culture, different philosophies, different religion, different politics. And so many times we have a tendency, especially in the American church, I won't speak for churches outside of the United States of America, but as well, Americans already, we have kind of just a tendency to think everything is about us, right? But so as American Christians, 
We have this tendency to step in to the portal. And when we arrive, we like look at everybody and go, it's, yeah, we're here. It's us. It's all about us. We don't care about your culture. We don't care about what's going on in your life. We don't care about what's going on here. We don't even care that you existed because your existence was simply for us. We just open up our books of the Bible to find out things that we need, things that will make our lives better. It's all about us. And we just almost completely obliterate everything about the original context. Oh, sometimes we'll, you know, we kind of give a little nod to it. And we'll, and at the beginning of a sermon, we'll talk about the original context and the original recipients. And we kind of give a little wink and a nod, like we're acknowledging you for about five seconds. And then we immediately walk away and go, it's all about us. It's all about us. We think somehow that when we read the Bible, we're transported to, well, America and whatever year you're reading it. And that's just not true. It's a different culture. It's a different language. It's a different everything. And it's not about just running into that culture and that language to go, what can I learn for me? We really need to step into the portal and go, I need to learn about you, your times, your culture, what this meant to you. How did you understand it? Because if we don't do that, we're not interested in actually interpreting and and correctly understanding the Bible. So, So because that is a massive danger, I've used this allegory, this kind of illustration, that before we step through the portal, before we even start reading a word in a book of the Bible, we need a background briefing. We need to be like, okay, You're getting ready to go through this portal, and when you arrive, here's what you need to know about where you're going. Here's the background. Here's the culture. Here's the politics. Here's the religion. Here's the time. Here's what's happening in culture. You, We need a book background study so that when we arrive in the portal, when we go through the portal, we're not standing there completely just discombobulated about what's going on. So that was the book background method. Now, once we step through the portal, once we open the Bible and we start reading, in fact, actually, once we step through the portal, before we do anything else, and this is kind of the, the, the image I want you to have in your mind, you step through the portal, you're prepared because you did the book background method. But as soon as you open it up and start reading in the beginning God or whatever book you're going to start, right? The first thing you need to realize is you have a backpack on. And inside that backpack is a very sophisticated, ultra high def drone. And you need to take off that backpack. You need to take off that, take out that drone and you need to launch the drone. And the drone is to then give you an overview, a survey of the area before you start wandering around in this new place and new culture with, with, you know, new language before you, you need an overview. You need an overview. So you do the book background before you do anything. And then what you need to do is you need to do a book survey. You need to launch the drone to survey everything. So you get an overview. So you have some idea of what's happening and how this is structured and what's going on. So first book background, then book survey. After the drone comes back and you analyze the drone footage, right, to use this illustration to really push it as far as I can, then you're like, okay, you put the, you put your backpack back on, you have all of your equipment, and you're like, now we're ready to explore. We're ready to explore, but you can't explore everything at once, right? 
When a book of the Bible, you just can't explore the whole thing at once because books of the Bible are made up of, come on, everyone tell me, chapters. So the only way to start, the way to start exploring the book is you have to analyze every chapter. It's like, okay, you arrived at a new city. You can't just immediately explore the whole city. You have to explore certain parts. So today we're going to be in this section of the city. Then we're going to explore this. You pick the sections you're going to explore, right? I mean, that makes sense. You can't explore everything at once. Okay, someone say yes. Okay, someone agree with me. I'm pretending you're saying yes. So in a sense, now that you've went through the portal, prepared background, you've you got there, you took off the drone, you sent it off on an on a overview and a survey, you've, you've reviewed the footage, now you have a good understanding of how everything is organized and designed, now you're like, here we go. Now, let's go explore, and we're going to start with section one, which will be chapter one of every book. Now, you have to know how to explore that chapter, and that requires, are you ready? The chapter analysis method. The chapter analysis method. The chapter analysis method involves gaining a thorough understanding of the material of a chapter of a book by looking carefully at each paragraph, sentence, and word in an intensely detailed and systematic manner. Now, that's that's a quick review. So today, we started looking at the chapter analysis method. And here are the steps that we covered. I cannot go back through everything. Step number one, you read the chapter four times. You're to read it in a Bible with no notes. You're not to look at a commentary. You're not to look at anything. You're not to write anything down. You're not to even have a notebook near you. It's just the Bible and you, and you read it four times. And you want, and the Bible you're using have no high, no highlights or any notes you've ever written down. It needs to be a very what I call a, a a clean Bible. Nothing in it. No notes. No marks of any kind. Nothing circled. Nothing underlined. You don't want anything because you want to spend time in the text. Now, if you remember the survey method, you've already read the entire book four times. Now you're going to read the, when I say read the chapter, the first chapter, the first section, you're going to read that chapter four times. And when we move on to the next chapter, you're going to read that one four times. Everything I'm giving you, you're going to do for every single chapter. I think I made that clear in, in the last section. I hope I did. If I did not, well, we will, uh, now, now I have clarified it and, and cleared it up. And, and, and again, if you have any questions or anything about any of these methods that we've covered, all you have to do is email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, and immediately I'll turn on the microphone and go, all right, we're going live tonight, and we're going to be dealing with questions about bio, the Bible study method that we're building, and I will clarify, re-explain, try to give you examples I'll give you a small assignment. We'll work on it together. I'll do whatever is necessary so that by the time we're finished, you have the most comprehensive book, Bible study, or book, Bible study method ever designed by man. I think, again, I think we're going to go with that title, comprehensive book, Bible study method. I think that's the way we're going to go. I may, I may continue to work on it, but so let's go through this again. Step one, you just read the first chapter, not all the chapters, just one chapter, four times. Now, you'll ultimately will read all the chapters four times. 
but it's one chapter at a time. Again, you can't go explore the whole city at one time. You can't. So you got to, here's the first section of the city we're going to explore. Here's the first section of the of this land, of this wilderness, of this forest, of this park, or whatever the case may be, right? I, I think this makes sense. So read the chapter four times. Number two, give the chapter a title. Remember, your, your chapter titles you give it have to be short. You want to use words that are in the text. You want words that, are, that really create a picture. The bottom line is you want something that really summarizes what this chapter is about. So for the rest of your life, if someone mentions a chapter, you're like, boom, I know what's in that chapter because you remember the title you gave it. Now, if you remember the survey method, you've already given it a title. But now you just read the chapter four times. You now may change the title. If you change the title, do not change it and your notes for on all the work you did on the survey. Leave it because it will demonstrate that through more study, you saw something different and came to a different conclusion. That's always a good reminder. So step one, read it four times. Step two, give the chapter a title. Step three, Go through the chapter and make a general outline of it. Just a general outline of the chapter. Now, remember our rule, everyone knows, it, this is a one of the most important rules, I think, in Bible study. When you make an outline, if you're, you know what I'm going to say. Some of you are already probably, you know, rolling your eyes and, and, and probably going, I already know this, but I have to continue to repeat it, okay? Here we go. This is very important. When you make your outline, it cannot in any way, shape, or form include an interpretation. Your observation or your outline is an observational tool. It's not an interpretive tool. I hate when I see an outline. I'm like, that's not an observation. That's an interpretation. They are interpreting what they believe this chapter is about. They're interpreting the sections of the chapter. Stop that. Outlining is an observational exercise. And remember, you can't interpret before you observe, right? So you just want to make sure that when you're outlining, it's observational. Some people are like, I don't, uh, is this interpretation or, or observation? I will work with you. I think you should be able to determine wait a minute, I think I'm interpreting this because all you want to do is get the contents of the chapter on paper and an observational outline. So step three, you go through and you and you uh, basically go through the chapter and make an observational outline. I'm just going to use that term that way or a general outline. In other words, it doesn't have to be, you know, super detailed. You just want a basic idea of what's in the chapter. Now, step four, so from step three, now step four, so now we've kind of looked at the chapter. Now we began our verse by verse, this is very important, observation. You're going to go verse by verse through the chapter, but you're going to do so in an observational way. And the way you're going to do this is you ask questions. Now, the way we kind of design the questions, you begin the questions with really kind of asking questions about the chapter, and then the questions become more and more specific. So it re really becomes more verse by verse. I started with kind of some more very vague general questions about the chapter just to get you started. Then you kind of become more and more detailed. Now, remember, now just just a quick remember, uh, I gave you 30 questions that you can use. But remember, this is not like, here's the 30 questions. I've got to go verse by verse and find the answer to all of these. No, you're going through the chapter just as you're looking at the verses, you're just kind of coming up with questions to ask here. 
just basic questions that will that try to help you observe what you see in the chapter. All right, I don't have time to go back through all of that, but yes, we gave you all 30. You can go listen, all right? Now, once that's done, that took 16 minutes. Now, we've got about 45 minutes to try to finish this. I don't think, I'm very nervous that we're not going to be able to pull this off. And if we need to do another part, that's okay, all right? Because this is such a big Bible study method that it's, it, it, it can be a little overwhelming. So I'm just going to go to where I think we need to stop, and I'll stop, all right? If you are listening live, and if you don't understand something, you need me to repeat something, please do. But this now is where we start the interpretation. Now, 99% of Bible study methods do not have really an interpretive step. You know why? Because Bible study primarily is observational. You have to do, everyone thinks Bible study is you, you immediately jump to the interpretation. We've, we have it so wrong in the American church. We think we read and interpret. No, we observe, 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 and use all the methods to gain better observation. 90% of Bible study is all observational. Because if you don't spend the time doing observation, you can't interpret anything. I think it should be a, I think it should be a requirement in the American church. Look, don't even offer up an interpretation until you can demonstrate that you've spent at least this much time. We'd have to come up with how much time? 10 hours, 15 hours doing observational Bible study methods. You're not qualified to offer an interpretation. In fact, it's foolish to offer an interpretation. In fact, it's embarrassing. Nobody's going to follow that rule, okay? Just, you know, nope, I read it. I know what it means. You're wrong. Okay, well, thank you for your extensive study of that, of that passage you're telling everyone they're wrong about. All right, but this is the interpretive, interpretation step. It's kind of a big deal. Like, if, you, if, you, if you've been a student of Bible study methods, you kind of know, ooh, this method has an interpretation step. What do I do? I know. Right? Are you ready? Now, this is where it can get complicated, and this is where people can get very confused. After observing all you can in the passage. Now, please note, at this point in the way we're designing this, you've already done all of the observation about the background of the book. You did a survey, which required you to read the book four times, and you did all kinds of observation of the book. You now have read the chapter four times. You've outlined the chapter. Oh, and by the way, you've asked the chapter basically or you, all kinds of observational questions. And not only have you asked it, you've written that down and written down the references. At this point, if you're not an expert on the chapter, I don't know where we're going to find one. In fact, at this point, I hate to say this, at this point, you probably know the chapters of the book, or, or at least this one chapter that you've just now begun at this point doing your analysis of. You probably know the chapter better than most pastors and, and probably most seminary professors. And guess what? The more you observe, the more you're protected from any pastor manipulating and misleading people in a sermon. All right? Yeah, I'm, 
I'm ready to do, I'm really, I'm ready to give a drum roll somewhere. Okay. All right. I'm ready because this is such a big, this is a big step. This is a big deal. All right. This, as soon as I said, the next step is interpretation. Everyone should have went, Ooh, wait, 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 raise their hand. Are you sure? We can interpret something now? Are you sure? In fact, see, if, if we were going through, say, the 12 methods of Bible study, this is like number 10, I think. I think this is like, I think if we go through the typical way they're organized, I think this is number 10. So that means you've learned nine methods without basically doing much interpretation. And all of a sudden you get to this one, you're like, wait, there's an interpretive step? Wait, you're telling me I can actually interpret now? Yes, yes, Okay. It's like, it's, I hate to use a pop culture reference, but it's kind of like the karate kid. No, you've been painting the fence. You've been waxing the cars. You've been, you've been sanding the deck. You've been doing all of these things and you're tired of it. You're, you're frustrated. You're like, none of this means anything. And now all of a sudden you get to interpret and you realize, wait a minute, all of this observation, wait, wait, this, what? no, I can do this now. Exactly. Because you've been, but nobody wants to do all of that work of observation. Everybody just wants to, I read it. I interpret it. I'm right. Okay. It, it doesn't work that way. All right. Here we go. After observing all you can and the passage under study, you're ready to move to interpretation. Here are the steps for interpretation. Now, I'm not going to give you necessarily interpretive principles. I'm not going to necessarily give you hermeneutical principles here per se. I'm just going to try to give you some steps to help you begin an interpretation, begin the interpretive process. This Consider this like the initial steps of the interpretive process, right? We could go full-blown hermeneutics here, right? But then we would have to define which hermeneutical method we're going to use, which hermeneutical system we're going to use, historical, grammatical, allegorical, all the different methods. We could, I mean, I, I could pull up volumes of books on hermeneutics right now, and we could spend, you know, a couple of months looking at all the different parts. This is to try to make this interpretive principle as user-friendly as possible. In other words, it doesn't require necessarily you spending years reading hermeneutic textbooks, but this would give you at least the basic steps so that the average person, sadly to say even pastors who've had hermeneutics class, sometimes I'm just baffled by what they do with the text, but this will at least get you started. Here we go. So this is step five. And then here are kind of, I, I don't want to say, I'm not, I don't want to call these steps, right? I'm just going to say in step five, you do interpretation and we'll begin with number, I'm going to go number one, number two, number three, or you could go A, B, C, D if you're doing an outline, depending on how you want to organize your notes. But I just don't want to say the next step, the next step. I probably will slip and say that but because it becomes confusing because like, wait, this is step five. Now you're giving me steps. Just consider it this way. Under step five, there's multiple steps. There's multiple parts to step five. We'll call them parts, all right? Part one, I want you, now you've already read the chapter four times. You've already outlined it. You've already gone through the chapter doing observational questions. I simply want you right at this, at this stage, at this step, just to write out a simple statement summarizing what you think the basic meaning of the chapter is. 
I just want you to grab a piece, uh, you know, in your study, just grab, I got a pencil here, and you just write out the basic summary of what you think the chapter is about. What do you think it is about? What do you think the basic meaning of the chapter is? Now, you may say, but, but, but what if there's like three meanings? Then write it out. In other words, you, you, if I was writing out, well, in this chapter, I think there's three main meanings here. Meaning or meaning number one would be whatever. Meaning number two, meaning number three. And you just have to write down like, because probably what you're doing is you're breaking the chapter down into sections because it may be a situation where the chapter covers three different things. Like sometimes in the gospels, one chapter will cover three different encounters with Jesus with someone, three different things. So you could write it down. Well, I think the me now, sometimes those three things all are put together to really have one meaning, but just you, and, and people get nervous at this point. Go, I just don't know what to write down, write down whatever you think, no matter how bad it is, no matter how good it is. You, the one thing about doing Bible study, you can't be timid. You can't be scared. You just got to put yourself out there, right? He said, well, what if I'm wrong? You won't be the first person who's been wrong. You won't be the last person. And that includes me and anyone else who has ever taught the Bible. We say we, you got to just go with what you think at that moment, but you always have to be willing to change and relook at it when you study it the next time. But in this particular case, the reason I'm having you do this right now is because by the time you're done with all of it, you may go, wait a minute, wait I was so wrong. This is almost like you're kind of setting yourself up. This is what the chapter is about. Now you're going to go through the interpretive process. And then when you're done, you may go, I was wrong. And a lot of people, you know what you're going to do? You're going to try. You're going to try to play this game. I just won't do this step. I'll do everything else. And then I'll come back and do this step. If you do that, you're disqualified. You're kicked out of all Bible study and you're excommunicated from everything. Because people like to play it safe. The goal here is to challenge you. Like, this is what I think this chapter is about. This is what I think this chapter means. All right, great. Now we're going to go through the rest of the interpretive process. And we're going to, in a sense, think of this as your hypothesis. Think of this as like you're just throwing out your hypothesis. And you know what that we have to test it. Okay, you, you see, you see me utilize. If if you listen to any of my uh, all of the Bible study exercises, even if you listen to many of my sermons, you you see some of these principles being utilized right there live in real time. You'll be like, like if you really pay attention, you'll be like, oh wait, wait, he's using the chapter summary method. Wait, he's doing the thematic. Wait, he's doing the topical. Wait, I think he's doing the chapter analysis. Wait, wait, wait. Nope, nope. I think he's doing book background. Wait, he's doing book survey. You can really identify where I'm using certain elements of these Bible study methods if if you pay attention. Sometimes people get it. Sometimes people don't. Sometimes I try to be too clever thinking people are going to get it. But I can tell you this. Rarely does anyone go, oh, I know what method you were using. Usually nobody does that because nobody really cares. But I care because... I think it's important that we use these methods. But all right, here we go. So the first part A, part one of step five is you write out a simple statement summarizing what you think the basic meaning of the chapter is. This is not a, this is not a doctrinal thesis. It's not a book. It's just a, a very simple statement. You may have to break it down into three statements. You got almost like a bullet statements. Okay, just nothing complicated. Next. 
you're going to begin to go through the chapter and looking at the chapter and looking at the individual verses, you're going to begin to ask, this is part two, you're going to ask interpretive questions to each verse. You're going to kind of ask interpretive questions to the chapter and to the verse. These steps involves asking questions, listen, about meaning. You're not asking observational questions. You're not going through going, well, who are the key people? Or what's the key verse? And what's the key? This? Those are more observations. You're asking questions that you can just observe clearly in the text. Now you're asking questions of meaning. What does this mean? What does this mean? You went in a sense, what does it say? Now you're asking, what does it mean? You can never figure out what it means until you first have observed what it says. All right, I, I hope this makes sense. All right, now. So you're going to ask interpretive questions. This step involves asking questions about meaning, then trying to find the answers to them. In this, you discover, in this, you're hoping to discover the biblical writer's purpose and message by uncovering what he means by his idea. Interpretive questions include asking what or why. Some examples, why did the writer say this? What is the meaning of? What is the significance of? What is the implication of? What is the, why is this important? So let me go through this again. Here's some interpretive questions. Why did the writer say this? What is the meaning of, and whatever that, what is the meaning of whatever you're asking, whatever, whatever verse you're looking at, what is the meaning of this? What is the significance of this? Now, again, the better, the more you have observed, you'll know exactly where to ask the interpretive questions. The more you have observed, you, think of it this way. In, in medicine, a lots of times you'll do some kind of like MRI or some kind of scan so you can see where the problem is. Or if you don't do, if you don't do that, then you're just cutting open the open the person. Well, we gotta we gotta we're gonna drill into the head and we're gonna we're gonna look here and we're gonna you know you don't want you want the doctors having some idea where they know exactly where to go. You don't want them just opening you up, just digging around, going, hey, do you see the problem? I don't see the problem. Hey, hey, Bob, come on in. Do you see the problem? No, I don't see the problem. Where's Susan? Susan, come in. Do you no? And, and like they cut up oh cut open every part of your body, and then finally, after five hours of surgery, like there it is. And it's like, oh, it's just right under the skin on the hand. Well, too bad we did open heart surgery, brain surgery. No, you would be very upset about that, right? Find it, target it. Well, now you've done all of the scans. You've done all of the observation. Now it's time to go, right? You know where to now ask the question. You know now where the interpretive questions are. You should already be, like, this shouldn't even be difficult. At this point, you're like, I've been waiting to ask the why and the how come and the what. All right? So you're going to begin, you're going to go through. You're going to just start asking. You've already written down now kind of basic idea what you think the chapter is about. Now you're going to start verse by verse. You're going to ask questions like, what is the meaning of this? Right? Um, I'll go through some of these. What? Uh, why did the writer say this? What is the meaning of? What is the significance of? What is the implication of? And why is this important? You should be able to think of many other interpretive questions. 
Now, this is a book. Now, you say, but I need more. No, come on. You're, you're, you, you know the chapter at this point. It should not be hard for you to start asking some basic interpretive questions, trying to figure out what does it mean? Why, why is this here? What do I do with this? How do I understand this? But this is important. This is where some people, and, and, and I can understand why. I think a lot of this has to do with the setting in which you do this, right? Because like in a lot of the settings, I, I taught at a Christian high school in Nebraska, and I gave them Bible study methods as assignments over you know, a lot of times. And then if they needed extra credit, because lo and behold, I know it's a shocker. When I taught Bible, almost everyone was failing my class. I know it's a shocker. It's, it's a shocker. Right? They were like, nobody has ever failed Bible class in this high school. I'm like, because everyone didn't really teach the Bible. It was a joke. So I came in like, boom, we're going in. And they were like, wait, what's happening? I'm like, all you kids go to church. You should know all of this. All we do is pizza party. Okay. Well, that's the problem. Okay. But so I, they all needed to do extra credit, which turned out to be Bible study methods. Okay, I know it was torture. But so many times when you have to turn it in or if someone else is going to see it, it's bizarre how people become very concerned about the questions they start asking, right? I, people, this happens especially in church settings, especially in my kind of church where I'm constantly asking questions. Um but I've seen that sometimes people are more concerned about how they are perceived than they are in discovering biblical truth. When studying the Bible, you can never be worried about what anybody thinks about you. Who cares about anybody else? You're studying the word of God. I don't care what they think. I will ask any kind of question. I don't care how stupid anybody thinks it is. I don't think how, who cares? I'm not, I don't study the Bible for other people's perception of me. I study the Bible to try to figure out truth. Well, at this point, you can't be worried. Well, I think that's a stupid question. I think that's a stupid, that could be a dumb interpretive question. There isn't any dumb questions. The dumb part is not asking the question because you're worried about what people think. You can't do that studying the Bible. All right, so I'm going to really drive this point home. You should be able to come up with as many interpretive questions as possible. You, should, you shouldn't have any problem coming up with interpretive questions. Don't ever think that a question is too silly or dumb. Now, this is important. Always write every question down, even though you may not find an answer for it. You, you may have all kinds of questions. Write them down. Just write them down. They, I don't care. They don't have to fit the, the little ideas that I gave you. Just write it down. You said, but I can't find the answer. It's okay. It could be dumb. It doesn't matter. Write it down. Because here is where you're, you're really digging in. You're really trying to figure out what this chapter is about. Because you got to understand the parts before we can understand the whole. But you can't, we started looking at the bigger picture. Now we're looking at the smaller picture, and we'll move back to the bigger picture in the next method. All right? We're at thirty-five minutes. We got to move on. All right. Now this is very important. Later on, when you write down now this, you write down all of your interpretive questions. You know what's going to happen? I guarantee you, you're going to go. I can't find the answer in this chapter. I can't find the answer. I can't find the answer. You're, you're not going to know what to do. Don't do anything. Leave the question unanswered. 
This is very important. At this point, all you're doing is asking interpretive questions. Now, this is what you do. You're going to write down the interpretive question, and you're going to look in the chapter and see if there is an answer. And if you if you if you can formulate an answer, you have to you need to write down uh, this answer is based off verse three and four, or it's based off this word found in verse one. You gotta you gotta somehow I hate to say it, prove your work at least a little bit. So you're asking interpretive questions, and you're trying to write down the answer to them. All right. This is just your initial interpretive questions. Write them all down, even if you cannot answer them, because here's what's going to happen. Later on, in studying the next chapter and the next chapter and the next chapter, guess what? You may be able to come back to this chapter and write down the answer. Right? Remember, the more questions you ask, the more you will draw out from the text. So you want to ask. I'm not going to give you a specific number of interpretive questions, but please ask a good amount. Write that, and you got to write them down. Right? You go, I think, okay, here's a good question I'm going to ask, and you write it down. Okay, then you see if there's the answer. If you don't, just leave it blank. If you have the answer, summarize how you came up with the answer. Okay, you got that? All right, so first, you summarize what you think the chapter is about. Second, you ask interpretive questions. Or, I'm sorry, part one, you uh, write out simple statements. Part two, you ask interpretive questions. Part three, you write out any difficulties. You write down, when you are writing down your questions, it's a good idea to include any difficulties you have and understanding what is being said. Now, when you're going through the chapter, you're going to, at this point, you're going to write down what is difficult, what you do not understand, what is challenging. But I want you to categorize your difficulties and your lack of understanding into two basic categories, two basic types. Now, this goes against how most of the time this method is taught. I changed this up big time here. This is my own. All right, there are two basic common types. I call the first one personal difficulties. This is questions you would like answered in the future or items for future study. These difficulties don't seem to impact your ability to understand the meaning of the chapter. In other words, okay, I don't really understand this. Okay, here's my question. Does that impact my ability to interpret the chapter? No, I can still interpret this chapter, still understand this chapter, even though I can't understand this. If you've been paying attention to our Mark 2.26 study, all right, Mark 2.26, Jesus is, is he, there's questions about the Sabbath. Jesus is going to seek to answer that question, and he points to something that, a, a historical narrative involving David, where David goes into the house of God to eat the showbread, and he does this in the days of Abiathar, Abiathar, or Abiathar, or Abiathar. Okay, yeah, we we, had, we played a lot of little games with how to pronounce his name, but Abiathar, the high priest. Now, the problem is, well, when David went into the house of God to eat the showbread, Abiathar was not the high priest. He wasn't, and David did not have any any interaction with Abiathar. He did he his interaction with uh, was Ahimelech, who was the high priest, who just happened to be well, the uh, the father of Abiathar. 
All right. Now that raises questions that causes all kinds of problems like, whoa. So is the Bible trustworthy? Did Mark make a mistake? And that's why we've been spending what, what eight hours so far working on trying to find an answer. You can find our series on Mark 226 and you can listen to all of that. But um, that problem right there does not have any impact on me interpreting that story or interpreting the chapter. So I would write down, I don't under, like if I immediately realize Abiathor is mentioned here, that, that's not right. I would be like, I don't understand why Jesus mentioned Abiathor. He wasn't the high priest at the time. But I, I, I'm not going to pursue the answer at that point in time. This is just what I refer to as a personal difficulty. I don't get it, but it does not impact my ability to understand Mark 2. Doesn't even impact my ability necessarily. Maybe it could, but I think I, I think I could still interpret that section even with this possible difficulty. Those are personal difficulties. You just write, you want to say, don't understand, and just write down personal difficulty. Make sure you write down the verse where the difficulty is. Make sure you write out, explain what the difficulty is. I mean, hopefully I don't have to explain every little detail you have to write down. Hopefully you understand what I'm I'm trying to get you to do. We're running out of time here. Next one I call problematic difficulties. Things that seem to completely hinder your ability to interpret the chapter. These are problematic difficulties. And Mark 2.26, I'll go back to that example. Abiathor does not hinder my ability to interpret Mark 2 and this entire question in regards to the Sabbath. But there is something in Mark 2.26 that causes serious issues. Mark 2.26. How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathor, the high priest. This is speaking of David. All right, I'll go back to verse 25 for context. Have you never read what David did when he had need and was unhungered and he and they that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathor, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, uh, but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him. Now, the Abiathor thing is a personal difficulty. But David breaking the law is a problematic difficulty. Because it seems to be, like you could possibly read this, that Jesus is saying, hey, hey guys, you're questioning what we did on the Sabbath? Well, if David could go in and break the law, then why can't we? It's almost like Jesus seems to be making an argument from situational ethics. Well, if, if hey, David broke the law, so why can you accuse us of breaking the law? Well, this causes all kinds of questions and understanding how Jesus is answering this problem about the Sabbath. That is a problematic difficulty because it derails my entire interpretation of this section. That's something I'm going to have to write down. Because I don't have an easy answer. Just looking at Mark 2, you're not going to have an easy answer to that problem. So make sure when you list your difficulties, you break them down into personal difficulties. These don't have any impact on interpreting the chapter and problematic difficulties. Right? So let's go through this again. Step five is interpretation. Part, the first thing you, part one, what you do here is begin by writing out a simple statement summarizing what you think the basic meaning of the chapter is. Step part two, you ask interpretive questions to each verse, all right? You write the questions down, you write the answers, right? 
Uh, you write even questions down that you can't find the answers to. Uh, part three, you list the difficulties. You list the difficulties. Now, I'm going to spend about 15 minutes here. Now, you're like, but that doesn't really help me. No, this is getting you working on interpretation. But now what I'm going to do is offer you some helps in trying to answer some of the interpretive questions and and start trying to find some answers to some of the things that you're already going to be struggling with at this point. All right, I'm going to give you some some tips and how to find answers, right? How to find the meaning in the text. Now, you've got all of your questions written down. Hopefully, you even come up with some possible quick answers from the text, right? Now, you, so at this point, you're going to, you, you're going, you're going to be left. Basically, at this point, you're going to have a lot of like, ah, okay, I got some questions here. I think I got some answers, but I mean, I may need to find some more answers. So how am I going to find more answers? Well, here are some things that you can start doing, all right? And these are just some basic principles. You probably hopefully have already started doing this and trying to answer some of those questions, but this is just to help you. Obviously, you check the context. You always start here for, for often the answers to your questions would be found in the verses preceding or following the text. Always interpret the passage in light of its context. That you should, you should already know the context. You've, re- you've already read the chapters multiple times, but just make sure when you see that question, you, you've got an interpretive question about a verse, just look at the verses before and after and go, does this give me an answer? Does it? Just make sure you relook at the context to see if there's an answer there, all right? Because I think it's important, all right? Um, okay, um, Let's see here. So check the context. Uh, Here's some other things. While you're looking at that context, while you're looking at context, just pay close attention to who is speaking, who is being spoken to, and when is it being spoken? uh, When is it being spoken? Okay, I'll 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 do it this way. As, As you're looking at the verse and you're trying to figure it out, who is speaking, who is being spoken to, when is it being spoken and where is it being spoken? What is the occasion or circumstance? What is the main subject? Is the aim of what is being said revealed? All right. So let's now you probably are. You should already have a good idea of a lot of this because you've already done part of this in the background study and the survey. But I'm just saying now that you now you're asking, think of it this way. You're asking very specific interpretive questions to these verses in whatever book you're looking at. And you're going to be like, man, OK, I, I think I know the answer. Okay, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Wait, OK, I'm going to put that down as a difficult difficulty. All right. You're, you've been doing all of that. Now you got to start trying. You got to you still going to have questions. So what you need to do is check the context. And as you're checking the context, you're going to look for, okay, who is speaking? You got to make sure you have these things down. Who is speaking? This is already a part of your observational work. So this should, you already should have this. I just want you to remember that this becomes very important in the interpretive process. Who is speaking? Who is being spoken to? When is it being spoken? Where is it being spoken? What is the occasion or circumstance What is the main subject of the message? Is the aim of what is being said revealed? 
And then I'll stop right there. So let me go through this again. You're checking the context. And as you're looking at the context, who is speaking? Well, in Mark 2, who's speaking? Jesus is speaking. Who is he speaking to? Looks like he's speaking to the Pharisees. Uh, when is it being spoken? Um, does Mark 2 give me a when? Let's see here. Uh, it just says, and it came to pass. Uh, oh, uh, uh, it was on the Sabbath day. So it's on the Sabbath day when it, it appears Jesus is having this conversation. I think some of the other gospels may give more, but it's on the Sabbath. So it gives us at least somewhat of a time frame. All right. So who is speaking Jesus? Who is, who is being spoken to the Pharisees? Who, when is it being spoken? Sabbath. Uh, where is it being spoken? Well, it appears possibly maybe, well, we could, we could look at the text and see. Um, let's see. What is the occasion or circumstance? Well, it's controversy. It's conflict over the Sabbath. What is the main subject of the message? The Sabbath. Does Jesus and his disciples break the Sabbath? Is the aim of what is being said revealed? Well, the aim is to answer the question. Now, that, that may not still give me the interpretation, but at least lets me focus in. And I kind of start asking these questions going, okay, do I find an answer here? Do I find? Now, some of these are observational questions. But you kind of bring some of this back into your trying to figure out the answers because you've already, because hopefully what you would be doing is like, okay, for example, Mark 2, 23 to 28. What would be my interpretive questions? See, say, okay, what's happening here? Okay, why are they accusing Jesus? Did Jesus actually break the law? Did David actually break the law? If they broke the law, what does that mean? Like, there's some questions. Well, some of these things may help give you some kind of idea of what's going on. So you, I think those are just good questions to have, all right? So check out the context. Define the words and phrases used. So as you, when you're, if you're asking questions of a, if you're asking questions of a verse, like whatever your questions, interpretive questions you ask, and you're looking at the verse, and like, I don't really have an answer. You know what? Start defining the words. You say, well, I don't know. I don't think that's going to help. Even if it doesn't help, start defining the words and phrases used. You must interpret your text according to the correct and proper meaning of words. Look up the important words in a Bible dictionary, word study set, or an English dictionary, or the Blue Letter Bible app, which is free. You can open up the Blue Letter Bible app, go to the interlinear, and go, okay, what, what is that Greek word right there? What does that mean? What, what do the words mean? Now, you may look at, you may have like four questions about a verse and go, I don't know what the answer is. And the last thing you may want to do is look up the meaning of the words. Look up the meaning of the words, even if you don't think it will help. Sometimes you'll be like, oh, wow. Okay, now I think I understand what's going on here. Define the words and phrases. Study the grammar and structure of the sentence. Sometimes a problem of interpretation be can cleared up by diagramming a sentence or by understanding what grammatical usage the writer intended in the paragraph. Now, the more you know about grammatical principles and diagramming a sentence, it may help. It may not help, but just look and go, okay, is there anything here in the grammar that's going to answer my question? Is there anything here in the grammar? Right? You know, who's the subject? What's the verb? Who, what's the noun? All, all, you know, who, who is that referencing? Okay, all the different things, you know, happening. Just, just kind of going through some of those basic things. This is important. 
compare several translations. Now, if you're King James only, don't don't go crazy. You can say the King James, if you, I'm not here to get into a debate about this, use the King James, but you compare the other translations just to see what they say. It, just to see, wait a minute, they translate this completely different. Wait a minute. Sometimes what will happen is you, I mean, if you, if you don't, if you don't trust any other translation, view it as a commentary. Because sometimes the way they word it, you'll be like, oh, wait, now I think I know what's, I think I know what's going on here. And it may give you some clarification, but just check some other translations. It's easy to do. It's free, right? You pick, you're, you say Mark 2, 1. All you have to do is go to Google, type in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Look immediately, probably the first or second or third entry is going to be from BibleHub.com. You go there and guess what? It's going to give you every English translation of Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It's free. And sometimes it'll be looking at the other translations. You'll be like, whoa. Either one, you're going to be like, wow, how did they come up with that? Or, or sometimes you'll be like, okay, I think, now, I think now I understand what's being said here. Right? That's simple. Um, next, uh, compare your text with other passages of Scripture. All right? That's just compare your text with other passages of scripture. Basically what you're doing here, is there any, in other words, you're looking at this, is there any other passage of scripture? Now you're not, this is not for you to go start trying to figure everything out. Just as all you're doing here is, can you think of any other passage of scripture that would help you answer the question? For example, Mark 2.26 or Mark 2.25, have you never read? Well, right there immediately tells me, that comes from somewhere. Find the cross-reference. All you're doing here is just thinking, is there anything here? Is there any other verse somewhere that would help me answer my interpretive questions? Just, just you're not trying to go find every cross-reference here. At this point, I just want you to start thinking, are there other scriptures that would help you answer your inter? See, the key here is how good you answer, how many good interpretive questions you've asked the text this is going to help you here in trying to find those answers. All right. Okay. Uh, do I want to do this one here? Well, I will. I will. I will do this. I'm going to skip. Then I'm going to. I'm going to change the order here. When you start cross-referencing. I'm just going to give a, a, a kind of a simple lesson here on cross-referencing. Because when you start trying to find other verses and other passages. Now, at, at first here, I, I'm, I actually, I'm going to change this. Because there's about five, there's what, four, I think four or five different kinds of cross-referencing. I don't want this to turn into all of that. Typically, I would teach this right here, but I'm going to skip it. I'm going to ch- I'm going to just act like this never happened. When I say look up other, I just want you to think as quickly as you can. Is there some other verse somewhere that helps me understand this passage? Is there something here that makes me go? I have to go look at that. This is you've got your interpretive questions. I'm giving you the very basics to try to find your answers. This is not going to answer every one of your questions. 
but this is going to give you at least something. So if you can think of another passage that you think it does, all you just, this is the key. If you're going to use a cross-reference to try to answer one of your interpretive questions, you better be 100% sure you're using that cross-reference correctly and you're not ripping it out of its context to try to prove some point. Right? And then, after you've done all, you've asked all of your interpretive questions, you've tried to answer it, I've given you some steps to try to find some more answers, I've given you some more steps. After you've done all of that, then all you need to do is find one commentary, one study Bible, and look at their interpretations to the questions you asked. And just write down commentary, name the commentary, name the study Bible. They, they did address 10 of my interpretive questions and they answered it the same way I did. Or you, you write down their interpretation versus your interpretation. You, you've asked all of these interpretive questions. Now you just simply grab a commentary. This is the last thing you do at this point and go, well, did they agree, they disagree. All right? Okay, we, we're going to be able to finish this. All right, so let's go through this again. We're going to go through everything. We'll, we may go just a few minutes over an hour, but that's okay. Here we go. To do a chapter analysis method. Step one is to read the chapter four times. No notes, no anything, no outside helps, nothing. Step two, you give the chapter a title. You already did that in the last method, the survey method, but you can change your title if you need to. Step three, go through the chapter and make a general outline. Step four, verse by verse observation. You go through the verses. You go through the verses and, uh, and you ask observational questions. There are at least 30 and you're just going to go through trying to ask, looking for certain things, just kind of on that lookout. You're not trying to answer every one of these questions, but you're looking out for these things. And these are observational questions. All right. After you've done all of the observational work, then step five is interpretation. The interpretation step has different parts. Part one is you write out a simple statement summarizing what you think the basic meaning of the chapter is. Step two, you ask interpretive questions to each verse, right? You're going to ask interpretive questions to each verse. You can come up with as many as you want, and I've already given you some, which were, why, why did the writer say this? What is the meaning of? What is the significance of? What is the implication of? Why is this important, right? You list the difficulties. Difficulties are broken down into two categories, personal and problematic. Now, to help you find the meaning of the text, after all of those questions, you check the context, right? You look at the context, and when you look at the context, who is speaking, who is being spoken of, what is being spoken, where is it being spoken, what is the occasion or circumstance, what is the main subject, right? Next, you define words and phrases. Next, you study the grammar and structure. Next, you compare uh, several translations. Next, you... Uh, Compare the text with other passages of Scripture. 
then next you consult a commentary. And when you consult the commentary, you write on in your notes which commentary you consulted and go, and then you you look, you just look up the commentary on those specific interpretive questions you asked and go, okay, here was my interpretive questions to this verse, this verse, this verse. None of them answered that question. None of them even addressed it, or they have a dip, had a different answer. And you just write down the commentary and what they said or didn't say. All right? Then step six. Well, hang on. Um, no, we're going to do one more part to step five. One more part. After you look at the interpretations, then you write out a simple statement summarizing what you think the basic meaning of the chapter is. So step five, part one is you, you began by writing out a simple statement summarizing what the, what you think the chapter is. Step two or part two, you ask interpretive questions of each verse. Part three, you list your difficulties. Okay. I've given you all your help and what to do, right? I've given you a help and all to do and all the different things to do to try to find the answers, okay? Then what you do is write out a, you end the next step, okay, after you've done all that, step six is you're going to write out, or actually, I'm sorry, not the next step, the next part, I'm sorry, the next part, the last part of the interpretation step is you're going to write out a summary again of what you think the basic meaning of the chapter is. Right? So step five begins and ends with you writing out a summary, a, a very simple summarizing statement of what you think the basic meaning of the chapter is. Right? So I apologize. I keep saying step six, I, I, but it's not step six. It's it's part. It's the last part. So. Step five has these parts. Part one, so part one, writing out the simple statement. Part two, asking interpretive questions. Part three, listing difficulties, right? I've given you all the different things to do, all those different things to do to try to find the answer. And then part four, technically, would be writing out the statement again, a summarizing statement of what you think the chapter means to see if you've changed your mind. Then... Step six is write out a summary conclusion. Well, no, no, you don't need to do step six. You don't need to do step six. See, sometimes I make it step six, but you're already doing it twice in step five. So really step five, you're going to do this twice. So we don't need to make it step six. We don't need to make it step six. All right. So, here, so I'm going to redo step six. Here's what you're going to do in step six. I want you to simply write out the lessons you learned in the chapter and try to write two to three lessons you learned up from the chapter. So step six is your lessons. Step six is the lessons you've learned. That'll make it simple. Typically in step six, I typically make this where you summarize the meaning of the text, but I, you're doing it twice in step five. And, I, and typically in step five, I only have you do it once. Then I, I kind of jump to step six to make it. But I'm just, I'm going to make, you're doing that in step five, you're doing it twice as the part of 
that that step, all right? One of the parts of that step. Step six, you just write down what lessons you've learned. Write down two or three lessons you've learned from the chapter. And then, you know, step seven, application. Write down what are you going to do as a result of that chapter. Something specific, something practical, something provable, something measurable. We're in an hour and three minutes. No one has asked any questions. So, don't know if that's good or bad. So, let's summarize all of this. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. We're an hour three. We're an hour, an hour and three minutes. We'll try to be done by an hour and six minutes. Here we go. For the chapter analysis method, step one is you read the chapter four times. Step two you give the chapter a title, and you can borrow the one you gave for the survey uh, and your survey study, or you can come up with a new uh, title. Step three, go through the chapter and make a general outline. Step four is verse-by-verse observation. You go through the chapter asking the chapter observational questions, not interpretive questions. I've given you 30 observational questions. You're just kind of going through the chapter, seeing if you see any observations. You're just looking for the basic observations you're, you're gaining from the chapter, and you're writing it down. The questions are just to help you observe something in the text. All right. Step five is the interpretive process. There are multiple parts to this. Part one is you write out a simple statement summarizing what you think the basic meaning of the chapter is. Part two, you ask interpretive questions of each verse. All right? Now, after you ask those interpretive questions, you got to work to try to figure out the answers. You got to obviously work to figure out the answers. And I I gave you... uh, um, I'll just go ahead and remind you, I gave you some tips on how to find answers. Check the context, define the words, study the grammar, compare several translations, compare your text uh, with other passages of scripture, cross-referencing, and then ultimately consult a commentary, all right? So you ask all of these questions and you work trying to find the answer. Then you list your difficulties, You list your difficulties, and your difficulties are broken down into two parts, personal and problematic. Then step six, you write out two to three lessons that you'll learn from the chapter. And step seven, you write out an application. I would try to find two applications, maybe two things that you're going to do as a result of the chapter. There we have it. There we have it. There we have it. Now, what I have learned is I probably could structure this a little better, but I changed it in the middle, but that's okay. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking at my notes going, we could I could structure that a little better, but that's okay. That's okay. I think I think you've I think you've got it. Now, if you don't, email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com and say, okay, I don't really understand this, don't understand that. We will do another episode 
on this method or this one itself, the chapter analysis method, and we'll correct it or fix it or clarify it before we move on to the other. Now, the goal is to move on to the other tomorrow. So that means uh, give me the questions as soon as possible. Even if it's after, though, if it's well after the fact, we can always come back and readdress it later on for clarification purposes. It's just easier for me to take your questions and answer them here than trying to write out an entire email trying to explain it all. There you have it. That is the chapter analysis method, which is part three in our comprehensive book study method. Part one, or step one, study one, or study method one is the book background, then book survey, then chapter analysis. And we have one more, and that is synthesis. And we'll learn all about that tomorrow. Okay, I'll stop there. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I'm hoping that was beneficial. Man, that that step five is just crazy. Step five, the interpretation. Man, there's just so many parts to that. It's But you almost have to group them together, like making them all separate. I think would you, I, maybe, maybe it would be better to separate them all as different steps, but it's just they all are a part of the interpretive process. And then once you, not only do you give everyone the interpretive process, then you give them basically parts or steps and how to find the answers. So that just really convolutes everything, but it's the really the only way to try to present that in any kind of organized way. But if you need help, let me know. All right. Thanks for listening. And uh, just remember all of these methods, start getting them down because coming up in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be using these methods on one of the minor prophets. So you're going to get an opportunity to actually put this all into all into practice if I can speak. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless.